There are always times it goes wrong. For my second book, actually, I was like, because I wasn't used to writing a book in that way, in the professional way. And, and now I suddenly knew what editing was and I was trying to do it beforehand. Right. So I wrote a whole book and I sent it to my editor and I just sat there for like several hours and I wrote, I wrote her an email and I was like, I'm sorry, just delete that. I'm going to write a different one, not that one. Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr. I am delighted to welcome my guest to the show today. Author Sarah Reese Brennan joins me. Sarah writes the tie-in novels for Netflix's massive hit, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Sarah, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Delighted to have you on. We're going to talk about Sabrina and all that kind of stuff a little bit later on. But firstly, we're going to start with our game. So it's called Six Words or Less. So you have to describe yourself in six words or less. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you're a writer, so you're going to absolutely smash this. <laughs> I cannot wait for the words that are going to come out of your mouth. Boom. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> People also expect me to be good at Scrabble, which I am not. <laughs> That's a terrible misconception. Scrabble is hard. <laughs> it is really hard. Yeah. And I'm like, well, mostly I just have the whole alphabet to choose from. What is this? Why am I being limited in this manner? Yeah. Uh, all right. However, I have consulted with some other people for this game, and okay. I feel ready. Right. Uh, so loquacious. <laughs> loquacious. Oh, for Christ's sake. Oh, you're going to need a dictionary now. <laughs> I thought I'd smash you with the big one first. Love that. <laughs> We've never had loquacious before. Um, creative, mm -hmm. uh, loyal, well-traveled, yeah. uh, affectionate, and I hate it when people say, oh, I'm a bit mad. I'm like, no, you're not. You're basic. But I was put on a lot of people's phones as Mad Sarah during uh, my college years, so I guess I'd have to go with that. Wow, those are absolutely incredible words. Now, I know what loquacious means, but just for anybody <laughs> who's uh, listening or watching who doesn't know, can you explain that word for us? <laughs> Uh, it means that I talk a lot. <laughs> oh, delightful. I knew that. I knew this was going to be a great show. Um, so we are going to talk about, like I said, Sabrina a little bit later on as well. But let's go back a little bit and talk about your life and your career. So firstly, writing in general, was that always a part of your being when you were a child, essentially? Well, no. When I was a six-year-old girl, I had the plan that many six-year-old girls do, which was to be a ballerina. Nice. It's just, uh, I was... As we say in, in the writer business, bad. Uh -huh. A bad ballerina. <laughs> oh, the world's worst ballerina. At one point, uh, I did a little recital, and my mother was like, it was like you were the bowling ball, and the other girls were the pins. <laughs> you knocked on everyone on that stage. How did you do that? And I was like, that's a gift in itself. <laughs> I'd say people were looking at the bowling ball just as much as they were the pins, though, so... That's good. Well, I should hope so. So writing came a little bit later. Well, it came like, I think, later that day. I was like, woof, the stage is not for me. What, what can I do in a room by myself so I can't endanger others? Right. So really, it was a noble thing that I did, right. <laughs> turning to writing. Yeah. And then, uh, so at age six, I started my first book, which is about my prevailing interests at the time. So it was about ponies and ninjas. At six? <laughs> Amazing. It wasn't my best work, but I still feel there was some good material there. <laughs> and you properly, like, you can remember being that young and actually, like, writing stories and stuff like that. I was a huge nerd of a child, so I didn't do much else. <laughs> Incredible. So, I mean, Ponies and Ninjas aside, although I would definitely want to <laughs> read that one, like, if you can maybe bring that into print, that would be fantastic. So when you went into education, was it something that you definitely wanted to see happen with your career? Uh, well, uh, and here, um, it, it's fun to do an interview where I'm Irish, so I can be like, I went, I did arts in UCD, so everyone's like, oh, you're going to be unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to happen when people say that, though. But I mean, I always, I always compare the arts degree 
to American universities whereby they go in and they don't have to pick their major essentially straight away, which I do think, I think it's tough to ask a rake of 17 year olds to decide what it is that they want to be for the rest of their life. So, I mean, sometimes the arts degree is good for that, right? Oh, no, it's true. Yeah. And I say that even though at 17 I did think that I knew what I wanted to do. But yeah. a lot of the times you're wrong. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was helpful in that I have no practical skills whatsoever. Okay. So people would try to guide me and they'd be like, oh, I guess just be a writer. You can't, we can't, like, expose you to, like, if you tried to be a nurse, you would kill so many people. <laughs> so nursing was out. <laughs> ballet was out. <laughs> But writing was still very much at the forefront. Exactly. And so I was just always reading, always writing stories. Um, I would meet, you know, people in college and they'd be like, I too want to be a writer. I'm like, great. In a week, we'll talk about the story we wrote this week. And then they'd be like, I was, no. Really? <laughs> I'm like, I did though. I, I always wonder about writers when the stories kind of just spill out of their heads. Is that like, is that a true kind of synopsis of what it's like to have a lot of stories kind of rattling around up there and just feeling like you need to get them out. Um, it's not so much feeling that I need to get them out, though I do love, I love sharing stories with people. Yeah. I love uh, telling them and then being like, oh, you laughed. Oh, great. Okay, that's the one. But I'm also like, I don't really understand how it is for people who don't have stories always rattling around their brain. Yeah. So I'm like, but aren't, don't you get really bored in the queue for the bank? Yeah. Whereas I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh, that will be a tangled love situation. <gasps> They'll hate each other. No, they'll fight with swords. And then I'm like, oh, yes, yes. I, I would like to lodge this, this check. I'm a reasonable adult. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a really good way of describing it. I suppose, like, looking at it from a career point of view, what were your family thinking about it? As in, you know, I suppose it could be described as a tough industry. It's, it's difficult to obviously make a living off books and, and things like that. Of course, we'll talk about like your successes in a little <laughs> while. Um, but was it something that you were nervous about going into in terms of actually being able to like pay for rent and life? I mean, I was very nervous because it, and it's an industry where you never can be sure. You're up, yeah. you're down, they're making a movie, no one in town will take your calls. Yeah. Um, but my brother really helped me out there because he's a professional poker player. And so he makes <laughs> He makes my job look uh, like safe and normal by comparison. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, Sarah, with her books. Good, good, good. He's a professional poker player. I have never actually met one of those in real life. I've heard about them. They're definitely real. No, I mean, that's I, a I, risky career. <laughs> I know, right? I can't, yeah. I can't even watch it. I'm like, no, you can't. And he's like, Sarah, I'm showing you my game. I, I want it. I'm sitting beside you. I'm like, don't do it. It's yeah. a mistake. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so your family weren't necessarily concerned. No, that, that was whatsoever. just like... Oh, I don't have the nerve for his job. I don't think he'd be interested in doing mine. Yeah. But my family have always been super supportive and yeah. just been and like, oh, well, she can't get her head out of a book. She'll be good at this. It makes sense. Yeah. So after you completed uh, your arts degree, what was the next steps for you? What did you feel like you needed to do in order to kind of continue on with this dream? Well, as the oldest child, uh, my parents gave subtle hints, like putting all my stuff outside the house, <laughs> that I should perhaps Sarah. move out. <laughs> Sorry, Mom and Dad. You didn't really... <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I'm going to move to New York and try to be in publishing. And they were like, no, what, what, we just meant like across town. You can't use a washing machine. Yeah. Like, and I was like, there are none in New York. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> so I moved to New York and lived there for a year yeah. uh, working in publishing. And then I moved to London and did a degree in publishing and writing and worked in a library. Wow. Where uh, 
I was like, maybe a library work is worked. Because obviously I was like, you need some sort of career that's not writing. Yeah. And uh, then as a librarian, uh, or an assistant librarian, I should say, okay. um, I was not the world's greatest success. Uh, the children used to hush me. Really? <laughs> Do you have to have like a particular skill set of, about being a librarian? Is it literally just be quiet? I mean, be quiet is a good first step that I was never able to master. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although I did wander around, uh, I would read a lot of different books. So it just because other people would check them out. I'm like, I wonder what they're interested in. Yeah. And I would try to talk with them. And then one uh, old gentleman who read solely local geography books was like, you never read the books that I read and discuss them with me. And I was like, oh, sorry, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really fun to see the different people who go in and out of a library. And I would be like, oh, I think you'll like this one. Yeah. Um, so I really loved that. Uh, but then I got my book deal and was able to move back to Ireland where I wanted to be because of my family yeah. and also because... Uh, Writers don't get taxed in Ireland. <laughs> so, um, nice. It's all coming out now. Um, so The Demon's Lexicon was the first book, and that kind of was uh, what gave you the, the book deal as well. Um, I suppose, like, well, first off, how did that come into your head? Like, I mean, was it at the bank, or how did you come up with the idea for that? And I want to talk a little bit about the genre as well that you've kind of gone into as well. But first off... Tell us about that first book that you wrote, how you got the concept for it, and how it all came about. Well, it actually came about because my father made me watch a boring documentary. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, thanks, Dad. I don't, I don't want to. He's like, no, we'll see it. We'll do it. And so it was about wolves, and they were bringing up uh, two hunters saw two human children in the forest being brought up by wolves. And they were like, well, that's not right. Like, wolves can't pay for college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they came to get the kids. And yeah. then the mother wolf stands in front of the den and is protecting them and the hunters kill her. Oh. I know. At which point, like, my father looks at me and I was just bawling. I was like, oh, this is worse than Bambi again. Yeah. <laughs> Mommy wolf. Sounds <laughs> awful. Um, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> he was like, you're very into it. We'll watch more documentaries. It's been over 10 years. We still haven't. Right, okay. <laughs> um, but then I was like, well, what if there was, I love stories about family yeah. and found family. And so I was like, what if there was something that wasn't quite human that humans were looking after. And so they, like the human children being brought up the wolves, thought they were human, but they weren't. Wow. So it really did come to you through that, yeah, exactly. like what sounds like a terrifying <laughs> documentary situation. I always say that you can find inspiration anywhere. Yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. Um, when you kind of when you got that concept, did you write it first and then bring it to a publisher? Or what was your process in actually getting that book deal? Because I would imagine when you're an author, um, that is the kind of holy grail, isn't it? Like getting that three book deal, essentially. It kind of has to be, right? I mean, that's what everybody, I'm presuming, is looking towards. Um, I mean, I think uh, that it, there are a lot of different writer holy grails, and like sometimes people's holy grail is a movie. Sometimes they're like, how about a 10-book deal? Yeah. And sometimes they're just like, just the book of my heart. And I'd been writing books since I was little, so I was just like, oh, yeah, I have another book idea. I didn't know it was going to be the one. Yeah. I was just like, sure, number 20-something. Zoom, I hope this one will be the one, but maybe not. Really? And then I queried my agent, who was like, I'll take you. Oh, sure, I'll take you on. And your agent is sort of the person who, you know, calls up the publishers for you and is like, because if you're a writer, you're like, you want to publish my book? Oh, yes, please do. I'll take magic beans. I'll take anything. And your agent's like, 
she would require a great deal of money. Okay, so <laughs> the agent is, is kind of like the in-between person. Exactly. What, what do you need to have in order to get a literary agent? Do you need to have like this backlog of books <laughs> or, or can you just be like, I can tell you right now, I am one of the authors of my generation. <laughs> so I need you to be my agent to broker all of these deals with me, even if you haven't been published before. I mean, you just need one book that your agent likes, but okay. you do need to you need to write a good query letter first. I'm not sure that I did, okay. <laughs> but perhaps I inspired some morbid curiosity. Yeah. And then my agent was like, oh, okay, well, hmm, I'll read the rest. And then she's like, okay, I like this book. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to take you on. And then she's like, we're going to send you out to like 10 publishers. We'll send the book. They'll like it or they won't. We can always do another book. This is going to take a while, so just get a ton of ice cream in. Oh. Just sit there eating ice cream, try to stay calm. And I was like, okay. Sure. This, I'm really good at eating ice cream. This will yeah. be fine. And then uh, actually the book sold pretty quickly. She called me and the first thing I said was like, I've, I've got a whole freezer full of ice cream. What am I yeah. going to do with it? <laughs> uh, and she was like, I'm sure you'll think of something. Yeah. So it was a success. Um, you know, uh, it's like, you know, it's, there are so many stages always and success yeah. gets redefined. So you're mm. like, if I publish a book, I'll be happy forever. And they're like, well, if I sell a series, I'll be happy forever. And you're like, if I sell my next series, because of course a lot of people make big deals and then, you know, that's kind of it. Yeah, definitely. And then of course a lot of people are like, well, if I get a movie and then people are like, well, if I get a TV show, cause that will run on forever. Yeah. And then other people are like, I don't want to do any of that. Definitely. It varies, <laughs> like, you know, and, it, and the goalposts are always kind of changing as well. Um, in terms of yourself, after that first book kind of, you know, went out into the world, did you feel a greater sense of pressure about kind of what you were going to do next? Because you now had a publisher, you had a book deal, you had your agent telling you to chill out with the ice cream. <laughs> like, was there a, a sense of pressure to continue to produce this, these incredible stories? Um, I think there wasn't because I was fairly young at the time. So right. I was like, oh, this will be great. Just being a writer from now on will be fun. Finally, I get to share stories with the world because that's one thing that I really always wanted to do. I was always forcing my friends to I'd be like, sit down, listen to me. This is the story. And then yeah. an hour later, I'd be like, okay, well, that was the backstory. Anyway, chapter one. <laughs> They'd be like, I'll kill you. Yeah. Uh, so writing is a solitary pursuit, but I always think about it, an imaginary audience and how we'll hit with them and be like, will this make them laugh? Will this make them cry? So I was really excited. Yeah. And I sold uh, my first series was a three book deal. So I was like, I'm going to get to write book two. And so I was like, I feel set for the next little while, which as a writer is all the security you're ever going to get. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, definitely. I suppose in terms of the actual process then, did you suffer from writer's block? Is that a thing that you are, you know, I, I mean, obviously everybody is aware of it. It's, it always comes up and I feel like writers are always portrayed in movies and in TV, like being these like really kind of just artists who are constantly tortured, especially when they get that writer's block. Do you ever feel that or is it just a, a beautiful experience for you <laughs> and it just pours out of you? I mean, it's a beautiful experience a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends was once like, oh, being a writer, God, it's torment. I was like, if it's torment, why are we doing it? Like, I really like getting up late and making up stories. Yeah. Um, but there are always times it goes wrong. For my second book, actually, I was like, because I wasn't used to writing a book in that way, in the professional way. And, and now I suddenly knew what editing was and I was trying to do it beforehand. Right. So I wrote a whole book and I sent it to my editor and I just sat there for like several hours and I wrote, I wrote her an email and I was like, I'm sorry, just delete that. I'm going to write a different one, not that one. Just delete the whole thing. <laughs> yep. I'm going to write a different one. 
Wow. So this, when you say like the professional process, so that's writing, was it chapter by chapter that you would then send to your editor? Kind of what's the difference between the professional process of writing a book rather than just kind of doing it in your own time? Um, I, I would write the whole book and then set it into my editor, but because having had the first book be edited, it is just a really different process. I kind of, when I do school visits, I kind of explain it to uh, the kids there by being like, oh, you know, if you have to write an essay and your teacher hands it back, you have to just keep rewriting the essay until you get an A+. And the essay is like 200 to 400 pages long, and the kids are like, oh, no. <laughs> Right. That's a really good way to put it. Sarah, how long does it take you to write a book? I just want to know. <laughs> I just want to know, not for me, just in general. People talk about writing books. Like a lot of people in Ireland are actually writing books now. I feel like it's yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. People. Um, how long does it take you to write a book? Um, Depends on the book, I know. It does. Get Anything that. between one month and nine months. Uh, That's a big difference. <laughs> that is a big difference. Okay. It is. And are you regimented? Like, would you put aside hours in the day? Do you kind of go to an office? Like what's your actual day-to-day -day life? I mean, I don't have a proper process. There are some people who do. Nora yeah. Roberts gets up at five and then writes and then exercises and has breakfast for her husband. I'm like, I, I would be dead by 10. <laughs> um, but uh, I do have a thing. I sometimes go away with a bunch of writer friends and then we are just like holed up for the month, just working from dawn till dusk, but also having other friends to talk to so you don't get very strange. Oh, nice. So like kind of a retreat type. <laughs> exactly, a retreat. Oh, nice. And uh, I'm very competitive. I used to cheat at sports day in school. Uh, so whenever That's not I competitive. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> it's cheating because you're competitive. Gotcha. I couldn't win unfairly. <laughs> I'm not athletic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would uh, see my friends and they'd be trying to make deadlines and I'd be like, I will win this. So it was kind of a bit of a competitive atmosphere between like, how many pages did you do today? What exactly. chapter are you on? Were they all kind of, would they write in the same genre? Were they doing YA or would it be all different types of books? Um, a lot of them would because that's, you get to know people who yeah. are in your genre, you're on panels together and you're like, oh, I like this person, would you like to be friends? Yeah. Uh, but sometimes... You know, it's like, oh, I read this person at a publishing party or I was friends with them. We both read a lot and then they got published. Uh, so mostly the same genre, but every now and then you'd be like, and how is the world of adult science fiction? <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to ask about the genre as well, because YA is what you have always kind of written in in terms of the publishing and stuff like that. And was that always something? I mean, like you said yourself that the Wolf documentary was what inspired you for your first book. Um, has it always been that genre or in the future do you want to expand a little bit more or is it is it literally the fantasy and the kind of magic of it that draws you in? I mean, I love magic and fantasy and I do feel that they shape stories that we write fantasy because we're talking about our real lives but like written in like scarlet and gold. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, quote that says, uh, we don't write stories for children about dragons because to tell them there are monsters in the world because children know that. Yeah. We write those stories to tell them dragons can be defeated. That's uh, a good way to look at it, yeah. But at the same time, I love other stories too. I love a mystery novel. Mm. And so I would definitely be open to writing adult and so forth. But uh, also with fantasy, you get to make your own rules. I was like toying with a mystery novel and I was like, okay, and then, you know, the amateur sleuth will solve it and they're like okay the police will arrive and I was like why they're fouling up my plot and yeah. everyone's like no they just do if there's a murder always see I always <laughs> used to think about that when I watched murder she wrote I was like why are the police never involved why is this elderly woman 
solving all the crime in the land. But then I kind of only thought about that later on because I just thought it was fantastic. I mean, it is fantastic. At the same time, like, yeah. why aren't the police arresting her? She is very suspiciously at a lot of crime scenes. She's at all the murders. <laughs> she knows everybody in all the murder situations. Yeah. I mean, I just figured there's an unaired final episode in which they're like, we've been, you know, making the case for this serial killer who's traveling through the land. Oh, my God. We'll An get elderly, bed knobs and broomsticks looking serial <laughs> killer. Maybe you should write the tie-in novels for Murder, Ready, She Wrote. Next. <laughs> yeah, next. Um, let's talk a little bit about Sabrina and the, the Netflix collaboration. How did that come about in the first place? Like, such a, such a massive kind of opportunity, I would imagine, for you as an author to get to do this. But tell me how it all came about in the first place. Well, uh, when I was a kid, I was a massive fan of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. As was I. <laughs> Love her. I know. I would come home and be like, what hilarious thing was, will Salem say today? Uh, and I was also a fan of the show Riverdale because mm -hmm. I like that it's so gothic and operatic. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, the small town aesthetic, but also the vibe of, oh, there's a serial killer. There's a bear. Yeah. You just have to deal with it. And everybody's very attractive. It's very uh, good to watch. Well, that's television. Yeah, that's television. But yes, of course, they're just like, well, you know, uh, tell us about your feelings, but take your shirt off. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It was very so. Riverdale when I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> so you were a big fan of Sabrina anyway. Uh, yes. And so I was told that the Riverdale creator was rebooting Sabrina. So I was just excited as a fan. I was yeah. like, great, this is coming. It's going to be amazing. And then an editor who I knew a little and who was a fan of my, I wrote a gothic mystery series uh, called The Lindbergh Legacy about a girl reporter who had an imaginary friend who turned out to be real. And she was a uh, fan of the books, and she was like, would you be interested in writing a tie-in novel for a TV show? I can't tell you which one. I was like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Not, not if it's going to be rubbish. Yeah, I need more information. Yeah. <laughs> and then my friend who knew us both was like, Sarah, you're going to want to do this. You've been talking about this show for six months. And I was like, oh, is it? And she was like, I said nothing. I yeah. Like, yes, I would be interested in this opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't like give it away that you knew but you knew at this point and you were very interested. Exactly. Yeah. And then once I signed a non-disclosure agreement, uh, they let me read the scripts for the first season. Wow. And of course, it's very different it's from so different. your childhood, but like in a really exciting, daring way. Yeah. But uh, I was, I went in expecting more Teenage Witch and yeah. I was on the plane, uh, on a plane, uh, like drinking some water, reading the scripts, being like, oh, do you? I'm a glamorous professional lady. Yeah. And then I did a spit take literally onto the uh, seat <laughs> of the man in front of me. Stop. <laughs> At which part? Um, I, I think uh, when I, I realized that uh, Aunt Hilda and Aunt Zelda might now be cannibals. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was definitely a turning point. Yeah. Um, and so I was choking and the air hostess came over to me and was like, uh, love, what, what's wrong? What's yeah. wrong here? And I was like, I can't, I can't say. I signed a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> and they were like, okay. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I've read on some more and I realized that the, one of the things I'd always loved about the original show and now the new show is that it is about this really untraditional family yeah. uh, with, you know, two women at the head of it, which is nevertheless like the most loving family yeah. of the show, um, which is the emotional heart of the show. And I was like, oh, well, you know, no matter how much the witches are into... Uh, murder and Crazy other shit. dark do yeah. doings that remains like the steady glow at the heart of this. And that is kind of one of the comparisons between the TV show that we used to watch growing up and the one now that it is about that kind of central family. Exactly. What I used to love about 
Sabrina as well was that it was about witches, something that we all used to dress up as and that was kind of historically really scary. But actually, it was just portraying them in a different way. Was that something that you kind of resonated with as well? Yeah, I think as girls, we're often taught to be afraid of your power. And so, of course, Sabrina in both shows is taught to be afraid of her power because it's magic power that can literally do harm. But that more and more, of course, you're like, well, of course, power is scary to have, but you have to embrace it. Otherwise, someone takes it from you. And that's much worse and much more scary. Um, There's a quote about witches uh, in the book Lolly Willows, which is like, live by your own sweet will. Yeah. And the idea that witches started to do that, and that is why people were afraid of them, because they were independent and they did what they wanted. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston said, uh, grab the, uh, the broom of anger and sweep away uh, the beast of fear. Yeah. And so learning to not be afraid of witches is in a lot of ways learning not to be afraid of yourself, yeah. which is a journey a lot of girls go on. And so seeing Sabrina go on it and seeing her and her power be the heart of the show and like any men around her kind of be like just like they could uh you could take them or leave them yeah Uh, although you know you'd rather take them (laughs) absolutely yeah um it's interesting though it is a lot darker and I was quite surprised when I when I watched uh the chilling adventures because I was like wow well first off it did really feel like a graphic novel kind of come to life for you as a writer what was the collaborative process between, you know, the Netflix show and the stories that you were writing? Did you have to run things by them or were you just basically like free will? Because I know the first one is a prequel, right? Um, they've been really great. They've mm. been really collaborative. Um, it's a great writer's room. It's it's very even uh, men and women, which is uh, important to me. Yeah. And I'd heard a lot of horror stories about Thai novels and how you're like, oh, you're very, it's all very strict. Restricted, yeah. Uh, but um, we would have calls and they would, be, they would be super open to ideas, but also I'd be like, okay, well, I was wondering about so-and-so's backstory. Are you ever going to tell it? And they were like, no, we were thinking this. And I was like, well, can I tell it? And they are like, yeah. sure. And also sometimes they'd be like, oh, well, you know, TV has a budget, whereas my imagination is unlimited. So I'd yeah. be like, I can just do this. And they'd be like, that'd be very expensive to film. And I'm like, we're not filming it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you kind of could run wild with it. Exactly. But uh, I, because I spent a lot of time writing with friends, it was also a very natural thing to me to talk to them and have them be like, well, this is what we see. And I'm like, well, how about this idea? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I, of course, go with that. But also, like, but you must do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Uh, so having them be friendly and creative and open and really imaginative was just a real boon. So it was always exciting to talk to them yeah. and to see what they were going to do next. And just be like, oh, I can't wait to see that on screen. Yeah. And I can't wait to write that. Amazing. I do think uh, I was disappointed that Salem <laughs> doesn't talk in the Netflix show. Like, I, I was proper... A little bit gutted because Salem was such, I was such a massive fan of his kind of quick wit, his sarcasm and just his general being a bit of an asshole (laughs) in like the one, the teenage witch version. Um, But you were able to kind of bring Salem out a little bit more in the books. Well, the poor actress is definitely allergic to cats. Yeah. So they have to be fairly limited in it. And uh, animals also are just hard to film. I think the direwolves in Game of Thrones uh, gave them horrible trouble for years. Yeah. Um, but of course, again, it's a book. The cat in my imagination is yeah. fine, and because I have great love for Salem, and because we're it, in the show, she the cat talks to her in her mind. So yeah. when I'm writing for her point of view, I have the cat talking to her, and I just have him basically be like Salem from Salem uh, from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, yeah, uh, being like, oh, when I'm worried, I eat. 
when I'm angry, I eat. Yeah. <laughs> and then... That. It was the one-liners, I think, that exactly. I loved the most about him. And of course, you're like, we all... Secretly, anyone who knows cats knows that that's probably about what they would say. <laughs> oh, the pure evil inner monologues of cats I don't even want to know. Um, the animatronic cat in the the teenage one, though, was so funny. Like, it was, it was. I mean, it was the 90s, so. I know, we were just like, it was okay, so poor. the robotic movements of your head, they're yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I suppose, like, I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, more about the books and stuff, but around this time, like, back in 2016, you did, you weren't well. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened with your health around that time? Yeah, okay. Well, I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma, uh, which was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, I was just like, I guess I'm just skinny now. This seems great. And everyone's like, you must be working really hard. And I was like, no. Wow. Maybe something's wrong. But when you're, you know, I mean, that's another part of being a girl. You're like, you get then everyone's like, good job, you must have worked hard. And I was like, I didn't. So you were really sick, but people were complimenting exactly. you so on like, weight loss. I guess I feel good. I'm very tired. And my writing is actually rubbish right now. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, and one of my friends would like, who is also a writer, would read to me like sentence by sentence and be like, do you see why this isn't working? And I'm like, no, I just can't see it anymore. Okay. And that was very strange. Like my judgment went a lot, a long time before the writing did. Yeah. And then... Uh, Later, when I was feeling better, I would look at it and I was like, oh, no, this wasn't good at all. Really? Um, but, yeah, so I was, like, had a, a bit of a cold but that, that I couldn't shake. I kept getting pneumonia. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just of delicate health. I'm yeah. just an invalid. Yeah. And then I was, I travel around a lot. So I was moving to Australia for a few months. And I was like, better get a checkup first. And they were like, you're not going to Australia, love. Really? And I was like, oh, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, I really like, while it was bad luck, I am sort of ideally placed to have cancer in that, uh, they were like, okay, you're going to have to lie in bed reading for a year. And I was like, I can do that. Yeah. And my family were really great. Very supportive. Uh, my brother, who's the poker player, uh, is also like six four, lifts weights, and so I kept fainting and just like falling over and he would be able to catch me every time. It was like yeah. his superpower. Um, and also because I was bald, I bought a ton of wigs and so got to try out a lot of different hairstyles. Yeah. At one point, a lady came up to me and was like, can I ask where you get your hair done? And I was like, we're in the cancer ward, love. Ugh. And she was like, oh God, are you a patient? And I was like, yeah. Uh, and another time I was, you know, getting the uh, chemo put in and uh, it hurt a bit. So I was like, took off my wig and ran out from behind the curtain and got a glass of water. And a sweet old lady who was having her first session looked over at me and was like, Oh, I didn't realize you lost your hair that quickly. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, uh, it, was, it was an interesting experience. So at certain points, I'd be like, doctor, I have a question about this kind of cancer. And they'd be like, you don't have that kind? And I'd be like, no, I mean, just while I have you as an expert. Yeah, <laughs> while I have you. Um, I suppose, like, did you, did you stop writing during that period while you were going through treatment? or I was still writing, but I was very loopy. Yeah. So uh, I can't say that I was great. And then just as I was basically, I got uh, the, you know, remission all clear. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life? It's also like you're out of the game for yeah. a little bit. And then I was kind of out of the game before that because my writing was, as we say in the business, rubbish yeah. for a while before that. Then I got the Sabrina call and I was like, oh, my gosh. So it kind of came at exactly the right time, just like magic. Amazing. <laughs> and so you are cancer free now. Yep. Yeah. Incredible. Um, and obviously, Sabrina is just becoming this massive 
global phenomenon uh, and the tie-in novels as well that you're writing to. Do you see uh, any kind of ending to Sabrina or do you see that her story is one of those stories that can actually just keep going? Uh, I think it will keep going in whatever form. I don't know. I really yeah. love writing the books. Uh, books two, one and two are out now. Uh, book three is coming out on May the 5th. Path of the Night. Exactly. What can you tell us about that one? Well, um, I mentioned that one thing that's really fun to do is kind of tell characters' secrets and talk about their backstory. Yeah. So Path of Night has a lot of uh, scenes set in hell, which is interesting. There's oh. a lot of quotes from like Dante's Inferno and so forth. It's so dark. <laughs> like, I know, right? It really is. It's It's such an interesting way because... When you're watching it, when you're reading the books and stuff, the the language, which like growing up in Catholic Ireland, <laughs> are just right? it, it's just not the language that we have ever used. Like you know, praise Satan and stuff like this. I, I was like, <laughs> I remember watching it. I'd be on the dart, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> devil worship. But uh, again, I suppose for you and for your mind, that's just an incredible experience to get to write it. Yeah, I mean, it was you kind of transition over, but then you're like, well, if these people think this way, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I respect witch, witch culture. Yeah. And so, yeah, book three is a lot about uh, Nick Scratch, who's one of uh, Sabrina's love interests. Yes. And who I was like, I heard his name and I was like, well, I don't trust him. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of don't, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I like him. So yeah. about his backstory, what makes him tick and how he's going through things. And actually, I really love, I love a fish out of water. Yeah. So I kind of love the contrast between mortals and witches. Yeah. So say in book two, Nick Scratch is uh, trying to work out, you know, why he's not appealing to the lady. Right. And he's like, but I've invited her to so many, you know, carnivals of, of delight. And yeah. uh, he talks to Harvey. Well, it's, who the is Harvey Sabrina's. it's the Harvey Kinkle factor. <laughs> exactly. So Nick goes and talks to him and he's like, well, where am I going wrong? And Harvey's like, uh, why, why are you talking? Don't. Nick's like, well, should I try like naked astral projection? Harvey's like, do not try that. Yeah. And so just having them actually talk as like two boys who are both like sincere and well-meaning and really like the girl, but who come from such different worlds that they're just like appalled. And Harvey's like, how about taking her to the movies? Yeah. And it's like, well, that would never have occurred to me. What a strange suggestion. It's such a simple concept. <laughs> like the concept is basically like girl meets boy, girl meets other boy, one of them knows a lot about hell, one of them kind of <laughs> doesn't. Which one is she going to choose? Exactly. And that's just like a really basic kind of almost rom-com storyline. Mm. And like I actually was looking on Google Trends there randomly about Sabrina. And one of the biggest Google things that came up was Harvey Kinkle TV show, what he looks like now. <laughs> so people were obsessed with Harvey Kinkle of and course. have always been. Yeah, and you know, he's a dude in the show, he's yeah. lovely, and you love him and you believe that he's a sweet person, but then you're like, well, these other people are sweet too. And then, because it's a coming-of-age story about a girl, mm. it's not so much about, you know, the boy you want to be with is the person you want to be, Yeah, and so the boy like can represent that, but a lot of other things can too. Yeah. So it's like, do I choose evil or good, but no people are wholly evil or wholly good. Yeah. So again, it's about claiming your power in a different way. But both, uh, well, now there are three three boys uh, who are potential love interests for her, and all three teams have claimed me. And they're like, obviously, Sarah Brennan agrees with me. <laughs> they know he's the one. And I'm like, I like everybody. I'm open to a lot of things. So Path of the Night then is kind of like a little bit more delving into the origin story. Um, I mean, it's set uh, like Sabrina is on this quest to hell to rescue Nick, but we're also seeing. 
Nick inhale and right. seeing what he experiences. So it's kind of delving into his backstory at the same time as Sabrina's having this adventure. Yeah. And as we see things going even darker for her, but like in a good cause. And then, of course, you're like, well, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, as they say. They, they do say that, yeah. So examining that and being like, what if you have a really, really pure motive for doing something that's obviously not going to go that well. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen how, like, in the show and yeah. stuff like that, like, we've seen the way that it's portrayed. Um, did, were you, like, when you're kind of writing about hell, I mean, is that just a, like, a sweet shop for you in terms of, like, <laughs> what you can put into it? I mean, obviously, like, you know, there's the collaborative aspect with Netflix and you can't, well, you don't want to stray too much from no, it. But I mean, like, how do you even think about what hell is going to be like? Where do you, how do you get your mind to that place? Uh, we did do discussions of uh, how they pictured it and they were like, yeah. we were kind of thinking a little bit the Wizard of Oz and I was like, okay. Okay, because I just think fire, like <laughs> I think burning, I think that people don't exist, you know? Like mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine how people would be able to exist in the environment that is hell, you know? But people do. Well, in this situation they do. And yeah, and yet a lot of people have so many different ideas. So there is the suffering, there is not being able to have what you really want. Yeah. And uh, there's a quote which actually I use in Path of Night, which is, hell is the suffering of those unable to love. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so good, Sarah. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, well, tell me a little bit then about what's, what's next for you. So uh, presuming that Sabrina is going to go on for Infinity, you might write more tie-in novels with that, but are you working on anything else and, and what's kind of coming up for you? I might indeed write more, yeah. and uh, but I'm also actually um, my friend C.S. Pacat writes a graphic novel series called Fence, okay. uh, which has really done gangbusters. And someone's like, "Well, you you write Thai novels now, and you've been you've been requested." Mm -hmm. uh, so I have written a Thai novel for that uh, called uh, Striking Distance, okay. which comes out this October okay. and so it's a story of like boys in this really fancy boarding school and competitiveness and also a gay rom-com. Right. So that's really fun. That yeah. and Sabrina is another thing because of course uh, representation is important yeah. and diversity is important to me and seeing teens who are so impressionable mm. and who go through so much uh, seeing themselves reflected in media that's for them is so important. Absolutely. And like 10 years ago, I would, I was, you know, kind of fighting for every inch of representation. And now it's amazing to, you know, have done interviews and being like, oh, yeah, no, these, this, the main love story is a gay love story of, of these books. Yeah. And, or in Sabrina to have a trans character who's heroic and brave and gets his own uh, big love story yeah. with the... Uh, Cool fairy. Absolutely. <laughs> and to be like, these books are going to be on shelves. They're going to be in like big stores. The kids are going to be able to see them. Yeah. And it's, that's really, it's, I mean, we're not half as far as we could be, but having come this far is really makes me so happy. Definitely. Yeah. How long did that take <laughs> to write? <laughs> How long did that particular one take you to write? I'm just trying to map out my future if I want to write a book one day. That one took me about two months. <laughs> oh, smashed it. That's so fast. Two months, I mean, knocked it out of the park. But then, of course, you do need to, to edit it. People come back and they're like, all right, Sarah, so what do you know about fencing? And I was like, I took lessons. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was 
humiliatingly beaten by an eight-year-old, but I did take some lessons. It's really hard. It is hard. So I was like, I can't say that I'm Olympic level like these kids. Yeah, but you are competitive. <laughs> and true. slightly cheating, so. I mean, if I just worked out how to cheat at fencing, I could have taken that eight-year-old. If anybody <laughs> could figure that out, I'm sure they'd write a book about it as well. Sarah, it's been incredible to kind of get into your mind a little bit and hear the process. Uh, people can go and find all of the information and where you write your books and everything that's coming out on, I mean, you're online, you're on social media and stuff like that as well. So I'm on Twitter, but they stole my last N. My name was one letter too long. Oh, no. So sad. Sarah Reese Brenna. Brenna, I know. And yeah. then some kids go up to me and they're like, so you're Sarah's Brenna? And I'm like, no, there's an N. Um, and of course, uh, Season of the Witch and Daughter of Chaos, the first two Sabrina books are available in any good bookshop. Absolutely. <laughs> and Path of the Night is coming out as well in... Yep. When is that? May. So two books this year. Two Pray books for this me. Year. Oh my God. So impressive. Uh, Sarah Reese Brennan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. 